All righty. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lubcast. I'm here with uh, Butsy and Jordan. Boys, this is a safe place. Uh, let's talk about it. How do you guys feel? I feel hurt. I feel depressed. I feel yeah. betrayed, <laughs> appalled, shocked uh, oh, by the performance we just watched by uh, our very own Boston Celtics. Yeah, was dog uh, but yeah, I'm ready to talk about it. We can, you know, work out the kinks. Let's let's get to it. Let's How are you feeling, thing. Butsy? I, I'm shocked. I I did not expect the Seas to come out and look this scared. Um, they in the series in which they just flat out dominated the Nets. I don't like they barely trailed in the whole fucking series. For them to come out and look this flat against the banged up Bucks team was a little embarrassing on our home floor. Um, I know that was one of the things I talked about last week. I think that was uh, was not recording, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> subtle jab non plan um but i was saying like if the Celtics can take care of home court then um they got a really good chance in the series but they fucked it up on game one so you know all you got to do is is get ready for game two uh yeah i um i don't know i i'm not like shocked i guess uh this is something like the celtics offense has not been consistent at all um their problem is they get really stagnant and then they kind of in their own ways, they are a heliocentric basketball team that centers around Jason Tatum and his movement towards the rim, and uh, like just the picks that come, that come in and you know uh, help just facilitate the offense. Um, and when he's not going or when he's being guarded like he is, uh, we need our other players to step up, and they didn't do that tonight. They didn't hit their shots. Um, I don't know how many shot, how many three pointers they ended with, but at one point they were shooting like. 18 for 49 from three-pointer. So Yeah, so I got some stats for you. So yeah, we shot 33% from the field today, uh, 28 so, of 84. 28 oh, of 84. So, such a bad number. And we oh. we actually shot 36% from three, which could have been worse. Yeah. We were 18 for 50. Yeah. So we made t- more threes than we did twos, <laughs> which wow. to me just – I mean, it, you could tell watching that game, to me, getting to the rim felt absolutely impossible for the Celtics. Yeah. It felt like the Bucks' size was a problem. Lopez just seemed to disrupt everything. And obviously, you have Giannis, too. Uh, and that led to Jalen and Tatum shooting a combined 30, 10 for 31. Uh, Jalen, I don't think I've seen Jalen play that bad in a long time. He also had seven turnovers. Mm. Uh, yeah, what, what do you got to say, Max? Yeah, um, I was I, I noticed that too right away that Giannis and Lopez. I, I didn't realize how small we were as a team. Um, I thought we had some good length, but what what I think they have that's against us is their those guys are like Lopez makes Giannis look small. Yo, Lopez yeah. is technically only an inch taller than Giannis, but like just standing next to him, he looks so much bigger. And if he's not getting every rebound, he's making it hard on everyone else to get a rebound, and he's just causing a ruckus down there. And we just weren't prepared for that at all. Um, I also noticed that basically what we're doing is we're just going to lock down Giannis and, and let them let their rotation players beat us, which is actually what they're tech kind of doing to us too. They're just going to let us uh, rely on Horford open threes. They're completely letting Horford and smart shoot. And honestly, they're letting Brown shoot a little bit because they knew he was bricking everything because he's been horrible too. So, um, you know, hopefully we won't shoot this bad always. I don't think we will. Um, but yeah, this is just one of those classic bad Celtics games uh, that was yeah. bound to happen. What do you think? Yeah, I just have a couple of takeaways. The first thing was they looked like they their game plan. I thought was to come in and beat the fucking yeah. shit out of us. Yeah, they they I think they knew that they had us physically. Yeah, and they dominated us. Well, you know, on the ball, off the ball, it was impossible to get open guys off of screens. 
you know, Wesley Matthews was hugging Tatum all game. Yep. Um, I mean, I can't count the times, how many fucking times that like we were jumping up the floor and Drew would get a poke. Wesley Matthews yeah. would get a poke. You know, we, our ball handlers weren't, you know, we really couldn't get into our sets and run the shit that we usually run to get open looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was just a really hard game to watch. I mean, there was also yeah. like, you know, to your point about Brooke and Giannis, like there was one play where Giannis literally just shed it off Tatum yeah. and then had a fucking insane yeah. and one layup on Rob Will. And I'm like, ah, fuck, we're in trouble. Like that was the moment where I was like, we could be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like what you said about the physicality also just points to what we were saying about their size and length too. And that contributed to what we were talking about when we were watching it. I, to me, everyone just looked hesitant. They looked scared. Yeah, to shoot. They look scared. Like, yeah. They look scared. Like they like they thought they were gonna get blocked or they thought they were gonna take a bad shot when in reality we just gotta shoot the fucking ball and yeah. if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, like we'll live. But and also the other the biggest takeaway for me, game plan wise, uh I wanna see Marcus guard Drew Holiday. Yeah, I know everything in the NBA is switching, but there's a lot there were a lot of screens today that Marcus could fight through. And you're the defensive player of the year. I want you to take Drew Holiday and be able to hold him to under 20. He went he went for 25, and we know he's going to be aggressive without Middleton, but we got the the best defender in the league. I want to see him take that individual challenge and stop switching every time. I know that's not all on Marcus. That's part of the game plan, but I, I think that should be a part of our game plan that, at least in the second half, just Marcus is on Holiday. We need yeah. – we can't let guys like that go off. No, I agree. Um, I think, like – I'm honestly happy this game happened because I think the Celtics yeah. like I this is a this is the perfect time for something like this to happen because they get embarrassed on their home floor and they're told they're shown every single way they're weak right now. Like this was a great game to expose every single weakness that the Celtics have. Um and now that they know that what those weaknesses are, they can work on them and uh fix it up for game two. So I'm 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 happy it happened because I think this was a Bucks team that was like severely underrated coming into it because they beat up on such a not a bad Bulls team, but a Bulls team that, you know, was plagued by injuries and it was their first kind of go at this. Um, and, you know, so the Bucks beat their ass and you assume that, uh, well, it's not a huge deal and that maybe the Bucks are a little bit overrated because they played, you know, a team that was not that great. Um, so I, I just think like we need we need to realize that Giannis is a great NBA player. He's probably the best player in the league, uh, in my opinion. And um, we're not going to stop him. We just have to try and contain him. And, you know, the Celtics just they they had a little bit too much swagger to them and they got put in their place tonight, which is something that, you know, it sucks, but I kind of like to see it. And uh, I think it'll be something good in the long run. But see, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's great because I, I mean, obviously no one likes getting punched enough yeah. really fucking hard, but I think now <laughs> that we have sucks. gone, yeah, yeah, it obviously hurts. Um, <laughs> but no, but I think it's great that we got punched in the mouth because now I think we get to see what the Celtics are made of. Yep. I think it's like, can Ime make the adjustments um, to come back in game two and put up points. I mean, I mean, if we're being fully, fully honest here, the Bucks didn't play well. No, I mean they had like nine turnovers in the first half. Yeah. They, I mean, they only had they ended with thirteen, but they shot forty-one percent from the field and thirty-five yeah. from three, and only seventy percent from the line. They only scored one hundred one points. Like that's not that many points. You know, the Celtics can't put up eighty-nine points in a fucking playoff game. No. Um, and I, th- and I don't think that will ever happen throughout the rest of the playoffs. No matter how far the Celtics go, I don't think that'll happen again. Um, because I think Ime will make the adjustments and I think Brown will have more confidence because he's going to have everybody in the locker room tell him to fucking shoot. I think everyone, um, yeah. in the locker room will be telling each other to shoot. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Jordan? 
Yeah. Here's the thing. I get what you guys are saying that, you know, we needed to, you know, come back down to earth, but I think that was a terrible way to let it happen because that was a game where we actually guarded Giannis decently well. He shot nine for 25 or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, if man. we lose, if we lose a game where Giannis goes for 40 and 15 and, you know, misses five or six shots, like you just tip your cap and you say whatever, like we couldn't stop Giannis today, but I mean, we, we held him to bad shooting. I know he still had a great stat line, but those are the types of games we need to win. And the other reason I, I'm a little scared is watching our two stars play. Yeah. I thought Tatum at least was aggressive and played with confidence, but Jalen to me just looked absolutely scared to shoot. He was not aggressive. He looks, and he wasn't great in the net series either, but he did have moments. Uh, he needs to get back on track for us to have a chance now. Yeah. He, um, he was honestly a liability tonight. He turned the ball over way too much. He was not confident. He, he made a lot of really dumb plays, which I, he's a very smart guy. So it's, it's honestly surprising. Cause I think, um, I mean, Jalen Brown is one of those players kind of like Carl Anthony towns where they're two really smart, smart guys off of the court. And I'm not saying Jalen Brown is as dumb on the court as Carl Anthony towns is because Carl Anthony towns is a whole new level of dumb on the court. He plays basketball. Like I do. Uh, if anyone who knows that knows that I was pretty horrible at basketball. So anyways, um, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. I, I want a couple emails to Lovecast later, uh, sharing <laughs> up how good I was. Um, anyways, uh, Jalen Brown is not nearly as dumb on the court, but he's just one of those players that he's really smart off the court. And it's a little bit, uh, just, you know, it sucks to see him struggle like this because these were like mental errors on plays where like, he just was like coughing the ball up, making dumb passes. He was turning the ball over. He has a problem dribbling. Like he's had that his entire career where he just will dribble off his feet. Um, it just was not a good game for him at all. And I don't know if he can bounce back from this game because he hasn't shown that he's been able to do that. He, like you said, Jordan, he wasn't great in the Nets series and he wasn't great tonight at all. And, you know, he's had, people saying that he's not great and that he needs to bounce back and he just hasn't done it yet. So hopefully he can actually do it because I'm getting a little nervous here. Yeah. I think, I think he needs to step up because Tatum can't carry this team no matter how much they play as a team. Um, You need at least two guys, you know, you know, most, you know, the kind of rule in the NBA for a while is we need three superstars to win a title. Um, LeBron started that, but now it's kind of just, you know, team basketball, the Warriors has taken over, Um, you know, they are superstars, but you know, Jalen Brown needs to step up. Um, you want to talk about liabilities, Derek fucking white. I never yeah. want to see him on the fucking floor again. You know, we were up like whatever, five or six early, four, five, six early. And he came in, had two missed floaters, which mm-hmm. Jordan uh, smartly pointed out that Bruce Brown would never have missed. Wait, wait, are you guys in on Bruce Brown? Cause I want him on the Celtics. So bad. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in, I'm in. If oh, we yeah. had Bruce Brown instead of Derek white, I think we would have won by 30 today. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay wait, <laughs> I'm not well, here Derek, for this Derek white slander. Uh, no, he's I a great Dude, defensive player. He had, he had two missed floaters, like three turnovers and was just nowhere to be found. No, he also, didn't have a good game tonight. The transition defense was fucking horrendous. The Celtics oh, would miss bad. a shot. The Celtics mm-hmm. would miss a shot, and we'd have two guys guarding one guy. Some guy would pick up ball, and like no one would pick up the fucking win. Like yeah. it, there was just so many miscues defensively, and you know they only scored 101 points. So like our half court sets really good, but it just felt like every time we missed a shot, we were down and like not looking to fight, and the Bucks just ran it down our throats on a couple of transition plays. Yeah. We looked really uncomfortable the entire game, which was something that like the Celtics rarely look uncomfortable. They usually look like uh, they're just into the game and they're ready to go. And yeah. there's a lot of points tonight where everyone looked scared. And uh, yeah. that was the first time we've seen them look like that in a while. And 
that can either be one of those things that um I mean, either way, this next game is a make or break game. If you think about it, we lose this. If we lose done. the next game and then it's two done. more games in Milwaukee, we're done. It's there's yeah, no we're, we're loose. Yeah. yeah. So this is this this next game is gonna be a huge game. Um and I really trust Ime right now. And this is gonna be the thing that, you know, they talk about like tiers within the coaching hierarchy and the player hierarchy of like LeBron's here, right? Tatum's a t- maybe a tier or two below LeBron. And that has, I mean, obviously has more to do with his legacy, but also has to do with LeBron got punched in the mouth too. And he's able to come back and, you know, win the series. So if Tatum can do that, that puts him on a different tier. I'm not saying he's on a LeBron tier. I'm just saying this, uh, if he wants to be considered an all-time great in his future, this could be a really uh, big point in his career to do so on his resume. Yeah, it definitely will be. Big year. It's a, it's yeah. a big year for him in general. I think yes. um, I think the Celtics today just were not ready for Milwaukee's defense. And as a fan, I wasn't ready for Milwaukee's defense. No, I was not either. I, I <laughs> no. thought – I didn't – if you told me we were going to score 89 points today, I would have called you absolutely crazy. Uh, but when you see their length and size, and then you just see how not ready and how hesitant we were, I mean, uh, that can't happen again, and I don't think it will. The only thing I'm worried about is now that was a bad shooting game from Giannis. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to see that again. Well, it w- I-, I do like they did play good defense. Like I'm, I, yeah. Oh, I they absolutely did. They had extremely active hands and they were deflecting and causing a lot of turnovers. Um, defensively, I actually, I wasn't like horribly upset at what they did. I think there was um, actually the whistle wasn't great tonight on either sides. Honestly, there was a lot. No, of it was, calls. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a very yeah, disgusting poorly. chippy. Yeah, messy game. But if the Bucks, the Bucks must have gone in thinking that's how we're going to win the series, and that's yeah. and that's what they did. Yeah, and I think also Smart got beat up this game. Um, I don't know if y'all how like how much longer y'all rest watch of the rest of the game because I know a lot of people probably turned it off immediately. But uh, at the end of it, Marcus Smart was like limping through the locker room. Um, yeah. he is kind of like uh, I don't want to say like he. Uh, let's see, he's kind of an actor. Um, so maybe that's just yeah. one of those things where you know you have a shitty game, so you limp it off a little bit, you know. Um, but ho- hopefully that's what it is. But um, he looked pretty beat up because uh, he did like dis- Am I wrong? Did he dislocate his shoulder? What happened? I thought he, po- he I thought it popped sh- out because it was all. Out. So then he just popped that shit back in. Then went yeah. and played an NBA playoff game. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know, think whatever. Yeah. I don't know how that shit works, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's been done before. I don't really know. It's well, remember, do you guys before. remember when uh, Rondo snapped his elbow in half? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, was and he just Wait. played. Yeah, just played. Like <laughs> play. God. Oh, that is our Rondo. Rondo's different. Dude, All right, it was, uh, yeah, it was horrible. Lead, leading score on the Bucks today, by the way, was Drew Holiday with twenty five. Yeah, yeah that's well, what he, I, that, I that that can't that cannot happen. And no. also, Grayson had like three threes or two threes, which were just He's poor timing. Well. Bobby Portis, like oh yeah, is, I wrote that down. He kills us every the th- time. The thing is when you <laughs> when you the thing is when you can't score the basketball, every bucket that the other team scores seems that much more significant. True, like Bobby Portis yeah. hitting a fucking mid range jump shot. I like. I was like, how, like I was just so frustrated That's because it was going we're, like we're going six to eight to ten, six eight ten, six mm-hmm. eight ten, and we get a stop, and we miss the shot, and then Bobby Portis would come down, hit a shot, or Grayson yeah. Allen would hit a shot, and I'd be like, this fucking I, blows. I want to, I want to, I, I want to turn the TV off. Yeah, that was, I completely agree. That's a really, really good point. Like it would go from like eight to like uh, twelve, you know, and it, then like, to that's six, like, then yeah. back to twelve, and I was yes, like, yeah. and then Bobby Portis would hit like a dumb sunglasses uh, mid like three sixty you know, jumper. He had like a baseline MJ, like yes, off like shoulder, twisting. like yeah. turn around. I'm like, 
Yeah, what over Jalen. What the fuck is this? With like, like a 15 inch guy? vertical, though. It's so funny because he doesn't <laughs> get high off the ground at all. He just uses his arm length. He's got the wicked you long love, arms. Bobby Portis is almost like a Marcus Smart. Like, you love Bobby yeah. Portis if he's on your team. Yeah. If you're not on Bobby Portis' team, you fucking hate the guy. I hated him because yeah. he used to like, he used to be way too vocal for someone who wasn't that good. But he's like, he's earned his right. He's a champion. He's earned his yeah. right to talk some shit. And I heard him on I agree. a Ryan Russell podcast. And I kind of like him. So. I, I wish he would be. He was a Celtic too, Jordan. What do you guys say? Yeah, I just think to wrap things up on the Celts because this has started to freaking depress me. Yeah, uh, it is. me too. The the only positive that we could take away is we held them to one on one. Yeah, uh, that's really good. I mean, our we still have a great defense. We contained Giannis, like I said. So if we can play defense like that, we just have to get the offense clicking. The offense was absolutely abysmal. Uh, Dude, you should be able least, to allow at least the defense shooting good. and win a game. 41% yeah, from the field. Like, you sh- you should be able to win that game. Yeah. yeah. All right. You, ha- you have to win that game. Let's switch gears now. All right. We're back. So, uh, we're going to transition now. We're going to talk about a little more uh, fun series. Uh, we are we got Dallas versus Phoenix coming up. Uh, so, we each picked an X factor in that series that we think is going to play a big role. Uh, Butsy, let's hear from you first. Who's your guy? All right. So, I just want to disclaim, put out a disclaimer that I think the Suns are going to win the series. Um, mm-hmm. But... My X factor in this series is Jalen Brunson. Um, my X factor is Jalen Brunson because he's been playing like an all-star. He's been playing like a superstar. Um, and I know the Jazz, you know, who the fuck knows what's up with the Jazz? They should be like competitors every year, but they're just not. Mm. Um, but I mean, he averaged 27 a game against the Jazz in that series and was obviously with like... no Luca, right? In, with no, well, with and without. Um, like three quarters. He definitely like, there. yeah, three quarters, no Luca. Right. Um, you know, he averaged 27.8. So he averaged 28 points a game. I mean, if he can continue to do that throughout the Sun series, which honestly, I don't think the, you know, guard, Matt, the guard, the defensive, the guards of the Suns aren't really incredible defenders. I think Chris Paul plays great defense, but I think that um, there will be good areas for Brunson to exploit the Suns um, just by slashing and creating shots uh, for himself and others. And I think, if he can score 27, even if it's not 28, if it's 25, 23, 24, um, I think the Mavericks can yeah. put up a fight in the series. Yeah, I think, like you said, the Suns should definitely win the series. It would be a shock if they don't. But if the Mavs want to win it, they're going to need a guy like Brunson to go off along with yeah. Luka. Correct, uh, yeah. And I think – yeah, what's up, Max? Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I Do you guys think it would be a shock if the Suns – I think it would be a shock. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Really? 100%. So what? Okay, okay. Hold on. Well, let me let me put out a little like uh just this little thing that may happen. Maybe it doesn't happen, but here's a little idea. Um, what if Chris Paul gets injured and Devin Booker? You know, that he is didn't a look massive. What if? What, what that is a how is that a what if? No, no. How is that a massive what if? He's well, gonna get. He gets injured series. every year. Yeah, but he gets injured every year. What? No, if, but we can't. We can't. But I'm saying, like, what oh, if he what gets if Giannis beat up? Gets hurt. Well, what no, I'm what saying is, what if? What if Giannis and this is, Drew tear their ACLs? That's not what I'm what, saying, what though. Then? That's, that's what, different what than then? what I'm saying. What then? <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this is like he has a history of doing this, and Devin Booker is injured now. So that means that they're like they're going to put more of their focus on Chris Paul. Yeah, but he wasn't. He didn't look great when he came back. He he didn't look like 100. percent More of their focus is going to be on Chris Paul, and we don't know if he can sustain. He did this last season, and he went all the way to a finals. I'm just saying it's not crazy to say that maybe he, there's a chance that he sprains an ankle or something, or gets one of those dumb old guy uh, injuries that he gets. 
very often, almost every playoff season, that's the call the Chris Paul curse. It happens and it could yeah, happen. And what I, I'm saying I is agree. Luka Doncic is a great player in the league. And um, if these X factors that we're talking about, uh, because my X factor is Dinwiddie. And if these X factors that we're talking about step up and Luca plays well, I don't see how it's a crazy thing to say that uh, Mavs at least push it to seven and make it. If make, Chris Paul gets hurt, this. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Then, you're, see, then you have a point. Then you have a point. If, if Chris Paul gets hurt, then no, it's not a shock. But we're, we can't just assume that that's going to happen. When we say it's going to be a shock if the Suns lose the series, we're, we're talking about a fully loaded Suns roster. That's what, that's what we Jordan, mean. Yeah. Jordan, who's your X Factor, Jordan? Uh, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, he just dropped 31 against the Pelicans in game five. Uh, shot 12 for 17. He's amazing on offense. As a role player, he averages 17 on 55% shooting so far. But that's not the reason he's my X Factor. The reason he's my X Factor is because he's one of the best defenders in the league. And he's going to be guarding Luca most of the time. Uh, he was in the running for Depoy. I think he finished either second or third uh, with Smart and Gobert were the other two. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, he has the just freakishly long arms and great feet on defense. I think if I think if there's one guy in the league that might give Luca trouble defensively, it could be him. Uh, so that's why he's my X Factor. How do you guys feel about Mikael? Yeah, he's an awesome um, defender. He might be the second best defender in the league, or one of the like. I mean, not in the league, like left in the playoffs right now. Um, you know, he he's so versatile as a defender. Um, he's so lanky, and he's just good at. He's getting he's good at like getting in the creases and just poking the ball out. And he's a, what I like most is that he's a very very active defender, and that he's not. He's also a good two way player. He's very efficient, and he's just one of those like prototypical Suns players that uh, is just like one of those hard nosed. Um, smart players that always kind of does the right thing and is really efficient in doing so and is a good two-way player. I really like Mikhail Bridges. That's a really, really good pick. Uh, Connor Butts, Dude, my, saying? <laughs> my thing about um, kind of the whole series, I think Bridges is obviously an, an incredible uh, tool um, for the Suns. He can literally do everything on the floor that you want him to. Yeah, uh, He can slash. He can you know hit uh, standstill threes if you want. He can lock up the best player. Um but for me, like taking a broader look at the series, um, my concern for the Mavs isn't really on offense. I think it's more defensively. I think they're not – not that they're not veterans. I mean, obviously, Luka's not. But they just – I feel like they don't have the playoff experience. And I think Chris Paul can just go in and fucking slice and dice the Mavericks team, like, to pieces. I think that he's going to find so many – exploit so many holes, exploit so many um, open lanes, and I just – think the Mavericks are going to have trouble keeping up in this series. Yeah, I agree totally. I think the reason – I mean, you guys both picked uh, Mavs players, neither of whom are known for their defense. Like, the Mavs don't have great defense overall, and they definitely don't have great uh, guard uh, – defensive guards. So, definitely Booker and, and Chris Paul are going to have a field day. That's why I think the Suns are obviously going to win if they if they stay healthy. Uh but yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, your guys. So, what do you have uh, on Dinwiddie, Max? Um, okay, so Din- what I like Dinwiddie, um, he is he's he's like serviceable defensively. He's at least uh, I would say he's at least six fouls, and he tries. He's he's more than that. Like he's he's uh, he's more than that too, though. He's not just six fouls. He's like that's more of a Boban thing. He's more of like he's serviceable. He's strong. He's a good strong defender. He gets down in his stance. He he has a lot of core strength, and you can see that come out. And when he's challenging people, like within the post, um, and when he's also switching in between the guard perimeter guys, uh, he's he has got a he's got a quick first step, but it's not like 
like lightning quick, but he can still um, make his own shot. And he just has, uh, he's got some balls on him. Like he's going to be, he hit, remember that he had that streak of hitting like three or four game winners in a row. Like the guy, the guy has no fear at all, which is awesome in the playoffs. And what I like most is that um, it can take like the scoring duties off from Luca. Uh, Luca is one of those guys that like, is another very heliocentric player. The entire offense uh, revolves around him. And um, that get, that can be tiring, especially in a series like this when he's going to be um, just challenged greatly by the Suns team and Mikhail Bridges. I'm so excited to see this matchup. Um, if Luka is as good as they say they are, this is going to be one of those matchups that he needs to take apart the defense by himself. And, you know, I really am excited to see what they do to him because the Suns can throw a ton of really interesting looks at him. Like, like we were talking about Mikhail Bridges, like, I'm so interested to see in how they match up against each other and who has the upper hand in that matchup. And I'm interested interested to see how, uh, like, what tricks CP3 pulls out of his bag to just to annoy Luca. It's going to be a very petty game too, because both those players are very petty. Like they do the That's dumbest true. little like annoying things all the time. I think that. So my guys, obviously Brunson. Um, yeah, Brunson's only really good benefit on defense is he has a really low center of gravity. Um, he really doesn't get knocked off the ball easy, um, on offense or defense. Um, there's so many times I've watched him where he just gets into the paint, hits with a little shoulder bump. He's not that strong of a guy, but hits with a little shoulder bump. And if you're off balance, you're fucked. Like you're screwed. Like he's going to score that basketball. Um, he's quick, you know, he's another guard that's just kind of fast, uh, definitely a little shorter. Um, but to Max, what you were saying about like Luca being really like a heliocentric player, I think that, um, He's going to need a second guy. Yeah. He's going to need a, a two guy. He's going to need a running mate um, to help score the ball. And whether that's Brunson <laughs> or Dinwiddie, yep. um, I, I think someone will step up. But I still don't think even if Brunson gets 25 a game this series, which would be kind of lofty, yeah. I don't know if he can still um, – if they can really still push that to seven. Well, ideally – Or even a six. Or even a six. I mean, ideally, it wouldn't be either or. It would be both, uh, like performing, right. at, yeah, at like their maximum capacity. Which, if that's what I'm saying, like if they're if Luke is able to unlock that, which, um, I think he gets underrated for his passing abilities, uh, and just like how much actually Luca does get a lot of good ratings, but um, I think he's a little bit forgotten in these playoffs right now, just because of, um, I think that's fair to say that just because he was injured in the beginning and he just came back, but he's had some good games coming back. He's looking really, really good. And um, I'm just really excited to see what he does this year. Um, I hope that maybe he has like a little bit of fire lit underneath him because he won one, you know, finally. And I think I just want, I'm really excited to see how he solves the problem. Mikhail Bridges, Connor, what do you guys say? I was going to ask Max, like, why, why Dinwiddie? I feel like he hasn't had an incredible playoff so far. Like, yeah, I feel like coming off the bench, he wasn't that guy. Like that, that you know, be the part of Dinwiddie that we used factor. to. Yeah, I. So I liked him in the regular season a lot once they traded for him. He he's had like this season has been really weird because he's had like three seasons in one. Yeah, he's been traded around. Yeah, and it like has drastically changed his play. Like he was kind of. We obviously all know his history. We obviously all yeah. know he can score the fucking basketball. He's a, he's yeah. a scorer. Well, That's what he is. But in this most recent, like the most recent player he was portraying as is he was a really efficient. Well, not really efficient, but he was a good scorer that you know was willing to take the the shot and he was looking for his own shot a lot and i just liked him as uh coming off the bench manning the second unit and giving luca a rest honestly i i just liked that the offense that he provided doing that um he didn't have a great like you said he didn't have a great uh jazz series but um that's why that's why i'm i'm picking him as the x factor cuz maybe he'll use that moment or not momentum but lack of momentum as uh like 
fuel for his fire or whatever. And he maybe just tries and has to have a better series, but I, I think he has a high upside and I think that he can like, Oh yeah. Big ceiling. Big yeah, ceiling. He's one of those guys that can get like a 13, eight to 18 point like quarter or something that just is like, Oh, or a couple or two quarters. And it's just like, Oh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's hit like six shots in a row and brought us from like, you know, down a couple to up a couple. So I just, I like him in that kind of role as a yeah. check guy as well. I think, you know, like you already mentioned, part of the reason uh, someone is an X factor is because they have the ability to go off. Right. Yeah. So if someone like Dinwiddie can really step up for the Mavs and play to his fullest potential, that gives them a huge boost. It could potentially change the series. So I think that's why he's a good pick. Same with Brunson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a, that was a fun segment. Uh, X factors in the uh, Dallas versus Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be, Sorry to cut you off. This is gonna be a great series. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know if, about you guys, but I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to it. Like I, mean, we're, I obviously don't want. We, we've, we've been, we've been talking for a while, but just really quick. Uh, yeah. Warriors Grizzlies game. Oh, so what do y'all think about that Draymond call? Well, I wasn't watching at the time. I was. Okay. Um, I was playing pickup. Not okay. Back. So I have a hot take, but everybody was saying how like Jordan was, was playing pickup. We were playing pickup. Okay. Right, so I don't know. I don't know how much of it uh, everyone saw, and you should definitely go look at it. And um, if you guys have any. Uh, disagreements with me, make sure to email the lovecast at lovecast at, at uh, gmail.com or not the first at the second at but it's capital <laughs> L capital C. It'll be in the description. Um, but yeah, like Draymond basically uh, Brandon Clark goes up and Draymond like, like grabs his face a little bit and that part wasn't that bad, but then he ripped his Jersey and his leg, he didn't have any landing on him. So he kind of brought him down. And what I thought was weird was like the announcers were all like, Oh, um, well, the announcers and the refs mentioned the face more than the jersey. They're like, the jersey's not a big deal. It's the face. And I was like, really? Because Draymond, this guy was really high up in the air. And Draymond grabbed his jersey and then ripped him down. So his body went like this and he like fell on his belly. And it wasn't that he didn't yeah. end up getting hurt, but that was more of a dangerous play to So, me. you know, coming from a ref, yeah. um, a yeah, really yeah, experienced veteran ref. Certified. Um, certified. Certified. Yep. Um, BBL. The biggest thing, the biggest, yeah, exactly. When the, the biggest thing when those plays happen is the intent. Yeah. Um, the NBA refs really look at the intent of what was going on. So if Draymond really wasn't making a basketball play, it um, which it wasn't, which it wasn't, which is why ultimately he got kicked out. Yeah. Um, the NBA is really sensitive about the face area. Yeah. For some reason, they're giant bitches about it. Even if you make a play on the ball and miss, it's like a play auto yeah. flagrant, which I think is bullshit. Well, dude, they got um, hands the was, size yeah. of like a like a like a cast iron skillet. Like their I mean, fingers, the size of my fucking forearm. Yeah, yeah like like, like I would Christ. see why they would be a little bit like, hey man, maybe Giannis, not Giannis slapping middle the finger is like giant. It's like the size of my leg. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It's he's a massive man. But yeah, no, I I agree. But I just saw a lot of people like on Twitter and stuff just going off talking about like how. They were like calling it a BS call and a lot of people were disagreeing with it. But I personally like thought it was a good call because I mean, Draymond, like he has a history of doing some uh, dirty shit like this. So yeah, oh, for but sure, this yeah. was, the <clears throat> well, I think crazy what's game, crazy though. is, I think what's crazy is Draymond gets kicked out and he, we know how important he is to that team. Yeah. Clay didn't play well. Jaw played out of his mind who, by the way, clearly heard that I put him on the followers list. So you're welcome, Memphis fans. I woke up Jaw for you. Uh, but second, Warriors, second time, second, second pod in a row that he said that, right? Just uh, two times, maybe third, maybe no, 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 third. No, it maybe was, uh, three. it was deleted in the last one. Oh, uh, so yeah, I just so you're just reusing materials, but you're I just wanted to let the Grizz know, the Grizz fans know that, that it was because of me. Uh, but yeah, the Warriors still fucking won the game, so yeah. they're just OP. 
Yeah, I, I like I love watching the Warriors, bro. I, I I don't think you can be a basketball fan and not like watching. No, the they're awesome. They're just so fun. Well, do you guys not think they're fun? Like, what the fuck? Uh, uh, no, you guys no, not? They're they're I Curry watching Curry and Clay move off the ball. I was talking to Jordan. That's what makes them such great shooters. Yeah. Curry literally, as soon as he gives the ball up, he's fucking making guys like their head spin. And has no idea where they are, and Curry just gets open threes. It's unbelievable to watch him play. <laughs> It's like the Manchester Boys and Girls Club with all that movement. They're just running around up and down, side to side. You know, it's, it's real tough. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah, that's, that's actually a direct parallel. Well, let's end on that. <laughs> Enough out of you, Connor. <laughs> um, we're going to go to NFL next. We're going to be uh, bringing in Feig, and we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, two, two things we liked about the draft and one thing we didn't. So uh, we'll be right back with that. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for having me. See you, buddy. See you, bud. Later. All right, everybody, we're back. Um, we're going to do two things that we liked. Uh, it can be like a draft class of a team or a certain draft pick or like the fit of a player in a specific team. Sorry, team. And uh, we're doing one thing we didn't like about the draft. Uh, we're here with, with Fag. Fag, what are you thinking? What do you got first? Um, I think one of the <clears throat> one of the teams that kind of killed the draft, in my opinion, um, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Um, I think like what you're seeing with a lot of teams now, um, in particular, like just – Giving an example, like the Rams, like they're going for it. You got to make moves to you know, try to get players. And I think getting Jordan Davis, getting that big body up the middle, um, I think he was one of the best players in all of college football. And pairing him with Fletcher Cox and the Eagles traditionally have a really good defensive line. I think that'll make their defense that much better. And they got, they finally got a number one receiver. So instead of something that they've struggled with is drafting receivers and they ended up trying to just trade for one that's already established by giving up a first and a third. And this team is also very well positioned for next year as well with picks and things like that. So they've really done a really good job of setting themselves up both for the future and for the present. I think, in my opinion, I would probably pick them to win the NFC East if it were today. Yeah. Uh, so I also had the Eagles as a uh, draft class that I really liked. I think Jordan Davis at 13 was an absolute steal. Like you said, Andrew, he was, he was one of the best players in all of college football. He's six six three forty, just an absolute behemoth of a human. Unit. So he's uh, I think he's going to come in and make an impact right away. Uh, and then, yeah, AJ Brown, huge pickup. I think having AJ Brown is going to let Devonte Smith just kind of, grow into his own receiver you know there's not going to be a whole time pressure on Devonte now he's gonna be in single coverage a lot get uh you know some open looks and and yeah i think i think you're right i think they're probably the favorite for the nfc east uh it, it all now depends on if hurts develops and becomes what he's supposed to be yeah um Oh, go ahead, Fike. What were you saying? Oh, so I was just going to add on to regarding the hurts thing. I think, you know, this is how you kind of do it. You either make a decision on a QB where you give them everything or, or you just end up moving off them. Like, I think one of the hardest things with Daniel Jones um, is he's never had even like a competent offensive line. And sometimes you see flashes from him, but it's really hard to evaluate him because he's been in just four years of chaos. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. And we know he has that issue with the fumbling and um, we like how much of that is a testament to the O-line and the chaos that you're talking about and how much of that is Daniel Jones. Cause I do think a big part of that is him. But like you said, I, you do see those flashes and a lot of people are up on him still. Um, I don't know how, where I stand on him personally, but um, I think like, like you said, beefing up the O-line, we can really see like what 
he's doing. Um, I also really like the Eagles draft class. I really like Jordan Davis um, as a Tennessee fan. We watched him kick our ass uh, pretty I, – I was at that game, and he's – I can tell you, like, I was pretty close. Not, like, super close, but he's a massive human being. Like, he – I was sitting behind the Georgia um, area, and I could just see, like, um, just how much bigger he was than everyone else. And um, I really like that pickup. My uh, – I have kind of a homer pick. I picked his Georgia teammate and this draft class as a whole. I picked George Pickens to the Steelers as like my thing that I really liked and the Steelers class as a whole. Um, I didn't really like the Kenny Pickett pick um, from what I've heard. And like the analysis on him, it sounds like he's just going to be a glorified Mitchell Trubisky, which we already have. Um, I'm, I would much rather take in Malik Willis uh, where he's got that tremendous upside and he's kind of the dual threat quarterback, like Lamar Jackson. Um, I know like jury's kind of out. I mean, Lamar Jackson's a really, really good player, but the jury's out on whether or not he can be considered like a successful NFL player. Um, so I mean, I guess if you have a good amount of um, threats on the side, like George Pickens and um, uh, the Haywood brother that we had drafted out of Michigan State, who's a he's like a fullback, halfback, tight end combo guy. He's um, he was another pickup for the Steelers that I really liked. He's Cameron Hay Hayward's brother, um, Connor. He he's um, he's a huge guy, but he's got a really good foot control. So that was just another aspect that I liked. And they, they drafted a third quarter or a fourth quarterback. Um, it was the second quarterback they picked, but it's going to be the fourth on their roster right now. Um, he's out of South Dakota state. <clears throat> I mean, best case scenario, he's going to be like, like a, you know, just like a kind of a practice QB that kind of sits on the side scout team type of thing. But um, I just kind of like that pick because uh, it was just, you know, one of those picks that those rarely hit. So might as well just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, I think Pickens is really good. I, I loved watching him play. I think, yeah. uh, you know, he'll help uh, if it's, if it's Pickett, uh, having a guy like Pickens as a uh, safety blanket's always good. But uh, yeah, one of the things, my first thing that I liked uh, other than the Eagles, as much as it pains me to say, is the New York Jets draft class. Yeah. Uh, I talked about this a little bit with Andrew, but um, Sauce Gardner, uh, at what they get him, they get him five. Yeah. Four. Four. Fourth. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, he's debatably the best corner in the draft. He probably is the best corner in the draft. Uh, so that's a huge pickup. And then getting Garrett Wilson, I think, was an absolutely amazing pick yeah. for uh, for a young quarterback like Zach Wilson. He runs a uh, sub four 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 forty. So he's an absolute, you know, electric receiver, super elusive with the ball uh, as he develops, could turn into a wide receiver one for Zach Wilson. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Jalen Waddle uh, in terms of both size and the way they play. Um, so I'm excited to watch him play. I think Zach Wilson is going to find ways to get him the ball. Uh, that's just a guy that you got to get in space. And then they also got Jermaine Johnson, who could be, a, you know, could turn out to be a elite pass rusher. Uh, and he's also good against the run. And they, they, again, in my opinion, they stole him at 26. Uh, he fell a little bit too. So, and plus they got Brees Hall, who's a really good running back. So I think the Jets absolutely killed it. Yeah. I think, uh, with that draft class, they should, uh, they should win in my opinion, seven to eight games this year, which going from a terrible season with four wins last year, I think, I think they should be headed in the right direction. I agree. But um, <clears throat> one of one of the things I think highlighting on both the Jets and the Steelers is, well, I think regard. I know that you, you Max, you weren't super, super high on Kenny Pickett. No. Um, you would have rather Willis. But I think one of the things um, I see like a lot of like Mac Jones with Pickett, 
Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You have to surround him with guys, obviously, like because he's just not like he's not the most mobile guy. No. Um, when it comes to NFL level, obviously college level, he can make more plays. Yes. But I think adding a guy like Pickens, who I mean, the Steelers, if there's a team that produces receivers, it's the Steelers. I mean, they they figure it out. Um, Pickens has like tremendous upside and could be the best receiver from this draft. He has that upside. It's not really been placed for him. It's more been both scheme at Georgia and <clears throat> off the field stuff. Yeah. Well, um, even on the field, they just they he got he had a game misconduct where he got ejected. Um, he yeah. just kind of has a habit of uh, being a little bit of a nuisance and a menace on the field, which Steelers wide receivers are known to do. Uh, we have Juju, uh, Claypool, <coughs> stuff like that. We've had like uh, just uh, A B everyone. So Heinz Ward back in the day, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I like what you said. I think Tomlin can kick some sense into him, hopefully, uh, get him up to be a productive player. And I think he's entering a very good situation, too. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the quarterbacks you put into the Steelers situation can end up producing well. Um, the only, I guess the only counterpoint I would say is Willis has that. If you're going to see who has the the highest upside, remember this is the AFC, you got Mahomes, Herbert. You know, you got Lamar, you got like Josh Allen, I mean, Burrow, you can go on and on. Um, will Pickett be able to compete with those guys? Um, that's like, as a Patriots fan, that's one of my biggest concerns. I like Mac Jones, but does he have that upside where, you know, he can go toe to toe? Like with that, like that, the game that everyone should watch is the, the Chiefs and the Bills game. It's, yeah. can your quarterback compete at that level toe to toe? with those two guys back and forth like that. Mm. So that's really the only yeah. thing I would say. And then yeah. I'm talking about the Jets. I mean, the Jets went for it. They got a lot of really good players. I mean, they got a lot of like guys that were considered number one at the top of each position, like Gardner, Wilson, Brees Hall. Um, but we've seen this with the Jets before. They get a lot of guys I think everyone likes, and it doesn't always pan out. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see on that. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, let's move on, Andrew. You got uh, something else you like, or you want to do something you didn't like? Um, let's move on to what we didn't like. Okay, go for it. So I'll um I'll give you two teams. Uh, first to start off, um, as me being a Patriots fan, I just don't <laughs> doesn't make much sense. Um, really, how they attack the draft. Um, and it just felt like there were a lot of like reaches. Um, yeah, Cole Strange, like draft day. I hadn't even heard of him. Uh, obviously, he went to Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like they said, he had a third round grade on him. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, to be Logan Macon, Mankins, or, or that's what yeah, they're hoping. <laughs> that's where I bring it up. It's like, yeah, like, like I saw a lot of comps. Like people thought he has a lot of Logan Mankins, and obviously, Bill one time picked Mankins 25th and ended up being a great player. Hmm. But the thing about Belichick that I don't always understand is he can still get these players later, or if you want, you can trade up for them. Um, let's say in the second round with yeah. whatever picks, because they had a lot of picks. I didn't really understand that. Um, Tyquan Thornton, one of the fastest receivers, um, wasn't really even like a high, was a maybe a day three guy. Um, there were other guys like Sky Moore on the board, Pickens. I don't really understand that one as well. And then they didn't attack linebacker at all. Um, that that was one of the areas they they really really got hurt. Um, linebacker, it just doesn't really make much sense because when you saw the games they played against the Bills, they just got completely dominated just in terms of speed. 
Yeah, um, uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, jump in here. Also, yeah. as a fellow Pats fan, a uh, little quote from uh, our boy Billy B on Cole Strange. Uh, we felt like we made the best choice that we could. He wouldn't have lasted much longer. Well, you see, Bill, no one else had him even close to the first round. So I think we probably could have got him with our next pick, uh, which is where we took a quarterback named Jack Jones from Arizona State. Here's a quote from him. I was shocked. I was happy. I was at a loss for words. That dude did not think he was getting picked there. I mean, we're we're reaching on everyone. Same thing uh, Andrew mentioned with Tyquan Thornton. Like, yeah, he could pan out, but there's so many guys that are projected to be better than him. I don't know what Belichick's doing as a GM. I think he's the greatest coach of all time, and I don't think it's close. I think he's, at this point, an overrated GM and honestly maybe shouldn't be the GM anymore, even though that will never happen. Yeah, um, well... I feel like I'm Mr. Positive, so I'm going to talk about more stuff that I liked. Um, I really liked the Cowboys pick of uh, Matt Willetsko. He he was a fifth-round pick. He's an offensive tackle out of, I believe, North Dakota. Um, he's six foot seven. Uh, he's got um, a 85 and five quarters uh, or five-eighths of an inch uh, wingspan. He's a very – he's not, like, super strong, but he's got a frame where he can put on a lot of weight. And – I know that they show highlights after every draft, so you see all the good things, but I, I took the time to like go to YouTube and watch some of his stuff, and the guy was pancaking people. Not pancaking, but, well, he was doing that too, but he was also just, he's, he had really good hand work, and I really, likes what he, or I really like how fast he is off the line, and he's also a really, really smart player. Uh, they cited this time when he came in as a freshman and started and really took over the game and was directing the offense really well, and I think uh, he got picked by the Cowboys, uh, who I also think had a, just a pretty good draft overall. I really liked what they did. And um, I just think that was a really good pick for a fifth round, like someone to take a chance on that has a really high upside. Um, and you're always in the – Obviously, I mean, the the Cowboys always have one of the best O-lines in the league, at least for the last few seasons. So, yeah, that's uh, not a surprising pick. I think, yeah, that's that's always good to, to have guys like that who can play uh, in the rotation if someone goes down or maybe develop into someone – uh, who could end up starting for him. So, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, I was going to add, again, on the Cowboys just for a little bit. Um, I think last year you started to see some cracks with the Cowboys O-line too, yeah. and that's one of their biggest strengths. I don't really see Dak as a guy. So I'm not really high on the Cowboys as much this year. Dak is a guy that needs a lot around him to kind of flourish. Um, everyone always talks about why Dak puts up all these big numbers. Well, it's like – a lot of empty calorie they're down you know it's like they weren't really that meaningful um so they kind of went back to the well another team i really just <clears throat> didn't understand what they were really trying to do was the um cardinals um they drafted with their first pick in the second round after trading for hollywood they drafted a tight end after they had just gotten zach Ertz. um i feel that just with the cardinals they don't really have a physical style a physical presence to them i feel like every team you see win win a super bowl has some physical element to them because at the end of the day you can have as you can have all the flashy receivers and all the flashy quarterbacks and everything but it comes a lot who controls the line of scrimmage um and i don't really they don't really have an elite o-line their cornerbacks they didn't they didn't draft one cornerback they their first lineman they drafted was in the sixth round and once you get to those day three picks you're kind of looking you see something um and you kind of hope that that ends up panning out those are a lot of like you never know so i just don't really think they got better at all i think they're 
third place team right now, easily ahead of the Seahawks, but I don't think they have any competition compared to the, the Niners and Rams. Yeah, I I also had the Cardinals as my one thing I didn't like. Uh, I just don't really know what they're doing. Um, they're I didn't like the um, the trade for Hollywood Brown that you mentioned. I just don't understand giving up a pick like that for someone who has has problems with fumbling and catching the ball. Um, I just don't understand. Like, if AJ Brown was available and you're willing to give up what you did for Hollywood Brown, why don't you target AJ Brown? But you never know. Like, maybe he just wasn't interested in going to Arizona. But yeah, I agree. I don't understand why they picked that tight end when they already have a good tight end. Um, I know it seems like they're trying to please um, Kyler Murray a little bit uh, with the Marquise Brown trade or the Hollywood Brown, same person, but uh, with that trade, just because I believe they're former teammates. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't really know what Arizona is doing right now. I think this is going to be a big year, um, especially to see like how Kyler uh, handles everything. And um, because if they have a poor season, there's a high possibility that they don't, um, they might break ways with each other because I know there were some talks about him being unhappy. Uh, but yeah, Jordan, what do you have? Yeah. I mean, Kyler, obviously there's some weird animosity there Yeah, uh, going on behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, like you guys were saying that tight end pick uh, Trey McBride, Colorado state. I mean, the guy, uh, he played great in college. He could end up being a really good player, but that's not what the Cardinals need. Yeah. Uh, I, I get you want to get Kyler as many guys as you can, but if you're talking about winning football games, you don't need uh, another tight end when you already have Zach Ertz. Obviously, two <coughs> tight ends is better than one, but, mm. yeah, I, I totally agree. And, honestly, I think Kyler – I think the Cardinals will struggle a little bit this season, and I think Kyler will probably be out of there pretty soon. Um, and last thing just on the Cardinals, um, I mean, this is nothing against Trey McBride. It just didn't seem much like a uh, fit um, for a team that goes four wide as much as they do or three wide receiver, one tight end. Um, it didn't really make much sense because um, he's not really going to be on the field. And then I understand like the Marquise Brown, it makes sense schematically. Um, but I don't understand when, why did you draft Rondell Moore then? last year yeah. with such a premium pick because it's a very similar um player because i do think hollywood it's a very good fit and it was like a, it was a difficult situation he actually did end up having a very good year last year yeah, he when did. lamar was healthy um so that's why i'm just like a little little confused about i just don't really think they attacked many of the uh necessities because i think pairing him with hopkins it gives that over the top element along with that possession receiver aspect but yeah, yeah, I guess they're kind of trying to make up for maybe they think Rondell Moore is and what they maybe thought he could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, was that everything we had? Did uh, did anyone have anything else they liked or didn't like? I talked about all mine. What's up, guys? Um, right here, I'm about to start talking about how I had Alante Taylor in my English class, but I was actually thinking of Jalen Hyatt. Like, as the person who's in, in my English class, Alante Taylor was never in a class with me. I was in class with Jalen Hyatt, but um, the analysis on Alante Taylor as a player is the same, and um, I still wanted to shout him out. But yeah, I was just being a dumb guy, so uh, my bad. Next, you're gonna hear me talk about Alante Taylor a little bit. Um, I have one more. I just want to shout shout out Alante Taylor. Um, he got drafted by the Saints. Uh, him and I were in English class together. Uh, wow. And, yeah, he he did. Him and I wrote a paper. Well, he didn't do shit, and I don't even he. Has no idea. <laughs> He has no idea who the fuck I am, but I thought that was cool because we were in a breakout room once or twice, and we were just talking about how bad the English teacher was. And then he <laughs> never showed up again, and we all had to do the work. But uh, yeah, I, he he was he's a cornerback out of Tennessee. He got drafted by the Saints. Um, they they draft a lot of Tennessee players. Um, 
I just like he's a really, really fast player. Um, he's going to be one of those players that you might you might actually hear about him his rookie season. Um, he's a really good cornerback. He had a lot of picks for us. Um, he has a really like not famous, but like it, well, it's famous in like the Tennessee circles of this pick against Kentucky that I believe was a pick six. Um, he's just a fun player to watch. And uh, they have Lattimore, right? Who's a cornerback still, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, they do, yes. yeah. I like. I just like their cornerback room. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they can train him up over there. And he was a super nice guy when he was in my class. Um, so yeah, I just I just wanted to shout him out a little bit. You know, friend of the. They pod, also kind of. draft and they draft and develop defensive backs very yeah. well. Um, the only other team I just wanted to shout out real quick. I think the Ravens. Oh, I was going to do the like, same. Yeah, yeah. Really took advantage of what their draft position was, yeah. not reaching like Kyle Hamilton and Linderbaum feel like they're going to be like call of famers considering yep. they're going to be on a great coach team yes. i mean i feel like the ravens always have great offensive linemen and i feel like they always have good dbs mm-hmm. so i think just want to shout them out i thought they did a great job yeah as much as it hurts me to say as a steelers fan um i do i used to hate them more when they had ray lewis and ray rice but now um i just we had a couple of tough years so you know i don't hate them as much but um yeah they had a great they had a like you said, great draft class. I think Kyle Hamilton Hamilton's gonna be awesome. I know because he's a cornerback and he got tra- or a safety rather than he got drafted there. They're all saying Ed Reed, but um, from what I'm hearing and his frame and everything, it sounds like he could be even he can, he's can be a lot more versatile and he's a little bit bigger and he could be beefier than Ed Reed. And I, I just really excited to see what they do with him. Uh, they had a really good thing uh, or good draft, and they're just they're a good franchise when it comes to drafting. They had a good draft last year. Yeah, and I they mean, got. The, uh... Uh... I was gonna say David Ojabo. He was yeah. projected to be a, a, a high pick, and he tore his, uh, I believe, Achilles. But um, yeah. like that's a guy that since there are like that's a team that like you can take a player like that and let him rehab for a yep. year, and he has great upside. Super high ceiling. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, the the Ed Reed comparison is tough. I mean, <laughs> it's just not, not a good comparison. You know, he doesn't. No, I didn't say, I'm not doing. I'm not making the comparison. I'm saying oh yeah, that no, a no, comparison no. I heard. No, I know. If uh, if he could be, I mean, any you know. 75% as valuable as Ed Reed, then the Ravens are going to be oh, I know. really yes. fucking good. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. I hope he's not, but for him, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was a great segment. I really enjoyed it. Um, overall, you know, for an NFL draft that um, coming into it didn't have a lot of storylines, I actually thought this was a pretty fun draft. And, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to see uh, a new quarterback under center for the Steelers for the first time in a while. I feel like I don't know this team anymore, really. Um, <laughs> like we just kind of, it's like a whole new uh, era in Pittsburgh, and it's just a little strange. Uh, just like yeah, your... I agree. I agree. Yeah, fun like... draft. Um, except for if you're a Patriots fan, because the Patriots say. just are terrible in the draft. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it... <laughs> the draft actually sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> draft because dog shit. We we drafted a nobody at 29 overall. It's just not but, really. Uh, it's just not really fun. Like yeah. it's <laughs> like you see all these teams grabbing playmakers and guys yeah. like that. Um, do you guys have like one takeaway, like in all from the draft? Maybe if you guys are kind of calling you on the spot, but one yeah. general takeaway. I got one. Uh, there was way too much live music at the draft. What the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. That was ridiculous. Like the amount of, um, like the amount of, like they had Weezer playing. Like I don't know what demographic they're going for, but I mean, I guess maybe they would have listened to Weezer, but I just felt like that was weird. But on a on a serious note, um, my takeaway is I think we're gonna have we're gonna see a really really good wide receiver from this class. It's not really a hot take. These are this is a really loaded wide receiver class, and um, I think it was interesting that we saw a, a good amount of cornerbacks get taken high, 
And I think it just makes yeah, sense because we're gonna get, you need someone to guard all those this really good talent coming in. So uh, that's why I noticed that. I think cornerback is going to become a more valued position in the league. I think my takeaway is uh, bad teams or, or borderline teams getting a lot better, uh, which you don't always see. Obviously, bad teams always have the high picks, but you don't always see them make great decisions. And yeah. obviously, it's tough to tell if these guys are going to pan out. But I think what we talked about with the Jets and the Eagles – those two teams are going to be a lot better than they were last year. That's that's my takeaway. Yeah. Uh, I would say mine is just teams being aggressive and trying to surround their young QBs with a good situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the Eagles trying to identify if Jalen Hurts is the guy with a max situation around them. Um, it's also a carryover from free agency as well. So I don't want to just all bring it in. Like, for example, the Dolphins, what they did with Tua. Because um, I consider a lot of the trades with the draft picks all draft related because those are essentially if you draft those players, end up trading them. It's yeah. essentially the same thing. So you see teams like the Jets, the Giants, perfect example. They got two guys yeah. that could have arguably been first overall picks. So it'll just be curious to see um, like teams like that compared to teams like, you know, you have teams like the Titans. They trade away A.J. Brown. There's not really a one right now. Um, the Patriots – are they like really that much different from last year? Like, no. so it's just interesting to see. And those guys are Belichick and Vrabel are similar minded. You can tell some of the coaches that are similar minded, how they operate. So, yeah. 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 Um, All right. Great segment. Uh, thanks for coming on. Fike. Yeah. Thank you. Fike. No problem. It was a, always a pleasure. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, next up, we're going to be talking a little UFC and then uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we'll be right back. Alrighty, and we're back. Jordan, uh, I know you watched the Cheeto Vera fight, but uh, you were busy, so you weren't able to watch the rest of the card. But I am—I don't have much of a life, so I was able to watch the card, and uh, it was honestly a really, really good card. Um, how did you like that Cheeto Vera fight? What were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the fight was super, super fun to watch. Uh, Font seemed like he came out pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, and I heard them talking, obviously, like I said on the last podcast, I'm kind of a novice when it comes to UFC, so I don't know these guys. Yeah. Uh, but they were saying uh, Cheeto kind of has a history of starting off slow. Yep. Um, which he definitely did. Uh, and Font was seemed to be a very good boxer. But uh, to me, at least from what I saw, Cheeto Vera was much more complete uh, as a fighter. Yeah, so it was funny. It actually like eerily worked out to exactly what we were saying last podcast about Cheeto. Um, he's just like a super, he's like a super um, creative striker. And he just was doing like, he just looked a step faster. And sometimes um, when you see two guys get in the ring and you see them like, doing an exchange, and then you just realize that one guy's just clearly faster than the other, other, those are the worst fights because then there's nothing really you can do. Um, the guy gets through every time. Um, what Cheeto was doing is he was just jabbing a shit ton. And, um, so he had like th this fight had an incredible pace to it. You can see Font is a better boxer, but Cheeto's more creative and complete. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't defending the jab at first, so um, or Cheeto wasn't defending the jab at first, and he was getting jabbed in the face by Font, and then he yeah. you could see it hurting him a little bit. But then he just sort of like he never fully started defending. He kind of had his hands down more, and he was kind of dancing around. Um, so it just shows how much faster he was. Uh, yeah. Going off what you said about the creativity, there was a, a moment, I think it was the third round, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but Cheeto landed a big left hook that knocked yes. Font down at one point. Yeah. And then he, he got on top of him right away and he started landing these elbows that were like. And then he waited. Remember, there was a second. Right. He, there, he had 10 seconds and he waited like he held it. That was that was on purpose. He did that because um, he if he's hitting him three times, like, yeah, that's going to hurt. But that one shot, he waited till he kind of dropped in preparation for what was going to happen. And he gave him a clean elbow to the head, which I guarantee yeah. you had a cumulative pain much more than those three shots. So yeah, sorry to cut you off, but that was, I noticed that no, too. That was a good pickup. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I was saying. Like just obviously the left hook is, is huge, yeah. but the elbows on the ground, being able to land those, that's kind of what wins you fights in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And um, if you notice he was going for a jab, but he would, point the fist down and then extend the forearm and elbow into the head of font which was yeah. ca- ca- catching him on top of his eye um he was font is a w- warrior let's not get that twisted that yeah that absolutely that went to tko but um he he was really beat up and you know he was getting kicked in the face and these weren't like slight touches these were like full palm of the foot into he got a palm of the foot into his stomach and then he got one like in the mouth like he was getting beat up and um it it sucked to like watch because you you just you could tell like he wasn't gonna win and i like those he was just too uh strong for his own good so hopefully he heals up nice and this fight doesn't yeah. push him down the ranks too much because um like you don't want to see that as far as cheeto goes um what happens for him next? I don't know. Um, this was a good fight, and he showed off like a, a um, just like a creative style. Um, I yeah, think he also Font- landed that big knee. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's what I was missing. Yes, that was a great call. He had a big knee in there that was really painful. That like, like made him got font wobbly. Yeah, exactly. And the guy took like a bunch of knockout shots and didn't get knocked out. Um, I mean, yeah. he did, but it was you know it wasn't like a KO. It was like a stoppage because his face was so beat up. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know what happens to Cheeto next. I think he'll probably get a good fight. I don't know if he'll be ready. I don't know if they're giving him a title shot yet, but um I after seeing that fight, I'm I'm a little nervous, if anything, about him. Um like it's tough because when they when they do that thing where they're dancing around and they're not taking it seriously, like I know he was taking it yeah. seriously. I just hate when they do that because it gives you that split second of opening that like Ben Askren got knocked out in like a millisecond from a flying knee from right. Masvidal. It's possible. Like people, the, these athletes are fast enough that they can react uh, like, like with such speed that like doing dumb shit like that just leaves you open for attacks. I know I like fighters that, that um, are boring or, um, you know, maybe just like, you know, don't do that shit, but I feel like those guys have better careers. I mean, it's fun when it works, but I just didn't, I really didn't like that. He's doing that. Yeah. And I also just didn't like his defense. I agree. His, his defense, I mean, they were talking about it the whole time that all Font wanted to do was jab, and Cheeto yeah. was, like you said, just kind of letting it happen, not really, yeah. like, not moving his head much. Um, yeah, but uh, what do you think about Cheeto going forward with, like, you think he's one win away from a title fight? Where does he go from here? I don't know. I think the – well, so he's going to get a good fight. Like, he's not – he so – if he if he win, I don't see him winning his next fight depending on his opponent because, like okay. you said, Font, Font, um, he had that one jab and he wasn't doing much other than that jab. And Cheeto was letting the one thing that he was doing hit him. And like in the yeah. beginning, I think I I thought Font won maybe the first two rounds. So if Font's a really good fighter and he's the top, he's one of the tops on the top 
fighters in the division. So it's not like he was fighting some nobody, but like Cheeto needs to be better defensively. Um, he was like, he didn't show any punishment on his face, but he definitely was a little bit hurt in the first round and the second round. And um, when you're going up against the elite competition in that weight class, all these weight classes are killers. And like, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be all around. That's what I've noticed. Like the guys that do the longest, like, What's weird about MMA is it's like a the young eat the old and not a lot of people reign supreme for a while. So you got to attack while you can, but you just got to be like, you got to respect the game and the art a little bit more than what he was doing. And I know that's cliche and corny in that you should be able to have fun, and express yourself. But I, I just, I, I fear that he's going to do something stupid and get KO'd real quick. Yeah. So do you think that the lack of defense and head movement was a cocky thing or it was just a bad defense? Um, well, that's what, so I, if I, if we had seen more from font, I think I could give you more like of an answer, but I, I, cause like, I don't know, like if font was throwing more looks at him and he was defending those other looks, but just deciding that he was going to live and die on the jab, then that's one yeah. thing. But font was really only throwing the jab. He wasn't like attempting to take him down because Cheeto was, a, has a better ground game. Um, so I don't know. I, and I also think like in the beginning, I don't think it was cockiness because I think he realized that he was getting hurt and he needed to kind of man up a little bit, but he was still like, just not really defending. So I think it's both. And that's a little bit of a scary combination. I, he really needs to keep his hands up and keep the head. He was throwing his head on the line. He, he throws creative enough where he can kind of dodge things, but um, it just takes one hit. And that's all I'm, yeah. I'm afraid of. Um, so talking about the other fights, uh, what, uh, what stood out to you? So Arlovsky versus Collier. It was a great fight. These guys are fucking massive. These guys, they're the size of like TH, and it, they were throwing, dude. They were throwing. <laughs> what, uh, how, how heavy are they? They're, um, well, so Arlovsky was like, they're like, for instance, TH is our friend Tori. He's going to be on the pod soon. Good friend of the pod. He's a, he's like a lineman, high school foot, football, yep. line, like huge guy. He's the biggest guy I know, I think. Just muscle, muscles. He's like a young Thor. Um, and, uh, Arlovsky, he's chunky. He he was like he's short, so he's only like six two, and the Collier was six four. And um, uh, I don't know, they were heavyweights. I don't know. I think that's like two sixty four, maybe something like that. If you could check that for me, they yeah, they it went to decision. Those guys did not do much defense either. There was lots of blood and damage, and they were they were uh, Arlovsky broke his nose at the end of it for sure. It was like bent at an angle. It was pretty rough, but they. They were throwing heavy haymakers, and it was that's what makes the UFC great is watching two humongous humans beat the shit out of each other. So uh, this guy Jake Collier, Collier, yeah. Collier, uh, he's Collier is two sixty five, which yeah. is pretty ridiculous for whatever yeah. height you said he was. And six then Ar- Arlovsky was only two forty. Yeah, but he's uh, only six two. Yeah, six yeah. Two. So uh, who ended up winning? What happened? Arlovsky, uh, it went to decision. Arlovsky won pretty handedly, in my opinion. Um, Collier did some a little bit of a bitch move. I don't know why I'm handing out like I'm some fucking warrior. I've never seen. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm talking like I'm I'm no I'm no hero. But um, I just I like I said I do think there's like some things of what I like about MMA is like the respect aspect of it. Like they'll these two guys will beat the shit out of each other and then they hug and like yeah cry together and it's I I just enjoy it and Collier like collapsed to the ground and then he like ran out and then Arlovsky was trying to like get to him and say like good fight and they just turned around and ran out of the ring which I've never really seen before I thought that was kind of a I just wanted to call that out that's kind of a weird move by him so um, did Collier think he won yeah but I he okay didn't. he had more damage than Arlovsky and Ar- they were throwing but Arlovsky was um Arlovsky a little background on him he's like a he's like the scary rush well he's American but he's like got Russian roots and he's a scary fighter um he's 
he's like he's he's very old. He would he used to be like the headline of everything. Like he used to be really really big back in the day. Um, he's in his late thirties now, and he doesn't have as much knockout power anymore. But he he can really like he's just very complete as a fighter, and he just like knows what he's doing. He's been in a ton of fights, and Collier was. There was no ground game in this one. So this was a perfect fight yeah. for you to watch if you don't like wrestling. Um, there was just not a lot of wrestling. So when I, have, when I have watched UFC, I think this will be a good question for people who don't watch it as much. Yeah. Uh, the heavyweights don't generally go on the ground as much as the smaller guys. Is that true? Take Shaq and throw him on the ground and see how long yeah. it takes him to get up. Like, those guys are big. They're athletic. Yeah, right. But, um, like, those, those guys... Um, so the heavyweights, like, they get, more, they get the most knockouts out of all the weight classes. Um, mm-hmm. the flyweights get the least knockouts and they're a lot more, not skill, but to like speed, stamina yeah. and athleticism. And like, uh, I not technically like everyone's skilled, but those guys have more form technique. Um, the big guys, they rely on more of like connecting and accuracy. So you're going to see, like, I really liked watching Derek right. Lewis fight. He gets, he knocks people out. Frank Francis and Ganu is insane. Insane. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's yeah, I have. Yes. He's crazy. He's. He could be something big where he um he could leave the UFC and go really? do his yeah and um there's talks like he's not really I don't know if he's very happy in the UFC and he could leave which would be a huge thing where he could go somewhere else and that would be yeah big. I um, saw Ngannou versus Gone which was one of yes. the biggest fights of yes. the year uh and that was just so entertaining and Ganu seems just so unstoppable but also Gone for for the big guys that you say aren't usually as skilled that guy is very skilled no uh, yeah so that that was a blanket statement like collier wasn't as skilled but like yeah. right yeah yeah um were there any other fights that you want to talk about yeah so um uh let's see i wrote down hold on okay uh figueredo versus da silva so this was just an, a sick example of wrestling if you're into that um so someone like it was da silva so it's hard to explain da silva like flipped figure like took down Figueredo, like Figueredo had his back against the cage. Da Silva went to go take him down. And uh Figueredo transitionally defended, like to take he like did a flip kind of. It's really hard to explain. He tried to take him down and then Figueredo like flipped out of it and then took his back and choked him out and submitted him. So that was kind of oh, wow. cool. Yeah. That was okay. just like a little like that was just a really good um way of like once you like look for it, you can see the guys like move around like when they're holding yeah. each other they just like move through each other very like transitionally. oh yeah the the holds in the wrestling stuff yeah. that they can get in and out of is yes. yeah it's crazy and they like move across people's bodies like crazy so that was just an yeah. example of that and um if you're in, more into wrestling that would have been a good fight to check out and then um romanov who we talked about last time um i think jared and i both talked about him uh he had a submission win which is something we were ta- saying how um he was uh, like the former Olympic uh, great D- uh, Daniel Cormier adding to. So now Romanov has a six fight win streak, which is one of the biggest in the UFC right now. So uh, he's um, he's undefeated, right? Yes, he is undefeated. He's 16 and 0, I believe. Okay. Wow. So, uh, and he's not the champ. No, um, he, so UFC, like you, like he, he's 16 and 0 in an MMA record. I don't know how many UFCs he's had. Oh, okay. UFC fights he's had, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, or sixteen and zero on an MMA record, rather. Um, I think he's on a six fight UFC win or a six fight win streak. I don't know if that's all UFC stuff, but um, yeah. So this upcoming card, we're gonna have a special pod with my cousin and um, Jared and Jordan on Friday. Um, 
this is this is this upcoming card jordan is going to be an all-timer like maybe the best card they've ever had in my opinion like you have wow. he versus Oliveira, which is going to be an insane fight you have thug rose fighting um you have you have chandler fighting uh ferguson which is gonna like i don't know if you know about tony ferguson but you need to go watch his highlights yeah that guy is you were talking about him i've seen Oliveira too yes and um and then we have also um hold on, let me and then we have donald's cowboy donald cerrone on the card too and let me just make sure i'm not missing anyone real quick but this fight there this this card coming up is going to be just absolutely in absolute insanity like i am so excited um like this is going to be one of the best ones we've ever had and it's going to be really good yeah i'm not really missing any other i mean the whole card is awesome but I, i'm not really specifically missing anyone um we kind of highlighted the big ones yeah that's going to be a crazy card uh tune in if you can um oh and then i mentioned andre feely um mm -hmm. as like a versatile fighter someone that i was excited for he got his ass knocked out uh last night. oh really so, yeah but he it was kind of weird he like he just got like someone got a good shot in on him during a transition he dropped and then they did, started doing the hammer fist and he couldn't defend in time so he wasn't out cold it was a tko more but yeah it was just kind of a tough thing i don't think it's a big deal i he he just it was like a quick little mistake like i said it's it takes one second to yeah split second yeah so it was just a quick little mistake and they got him on the ground so Andre, if you're listening to this, which you're definitely not, um, just like from a from an MMA pro like myself, uh, you'll be okay, bud. No, I'm just kidding. You're a great <laughs> fighter. You, I'm still a big fan, and uh, yeah, don't I? I know you'll come back better than ever. But yeah, uh, yeah. well, um, this uh, these UFC segments have been super fun for me. Uh, yeah, try to start watching a little more. I love watching when, when oh, I do me watch. Too. Uh, you have good analysis. I like what you like picked up on good stuff. Like it took me a while to like pick up on any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I uh, shout out, shout out to Jason Dyer, big fan of the show. Uh, yeah. That's my father. He's uh, he's had UFC on in the house since I was like six years old. Oh yeah. So you, <laughs> uh, you so you were watching like Chuck Liddell or and like um. Uh, I remember the first fight I remember is Brock Lesnar. Oh, oh um, okay. well, against Mirror or what? Pri Prime Brock. I don't remember. Uh, I watched a lot of Anderson Silva. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was awesome. It is mm -hmm. awesome. He is awesome. And then, yeah, those are the two guys I remember from when I was younger. But Do you have some favorites right now? Uh, I'd have to say Nganu. Nganu, yeah. So you like yeah. more. You, are you like big, you're, I know you're a big KO guy, so you like Nganu. I mean, I don't watch UFC enough to know all these guys. So yeah. the fight that I saw from Nganu, just how do you not become a dude, fan? Yeah, the guy's, when he the guy's an absolute freak, dude. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Overeem uppercut. Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it looks like the guy's like heads are yeah. going to come off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this this next card should be super fun. That's on Saturday, May 7th. Yes. Um. But yes. So just. I I'm a huge huge fan of Justin Gaethje. He has absolute uh, trucks for hands. That's going to be such an awesome fight. I'm a huge fan of Charles Charles Oliveira, Jiu-Jitsu master. Um, uh, Chandler has absolute trucks for hands too. Gaethje and Chandler had an all-time classic, which just got reposted on YouTube. I urge you all to go watch it. That's one of the best fights I've ever seen in my entire life. Chandler had to go to the hospital after. Um, uh, who else? Thug Rose, one of the best female uh athletes of all time uh, not even just mma she's an absolute killer i love watching her fight she kicks she kicks uh, some ass it's gonna be great to see her fight again um donald cerrone he's a pro he he's been around forever he used to be he's a legend he used to be at the heights he's slowing down a little bit but he's still looking really really good um I'm, i can't wait to see him fight too 
Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody, but yeah. Oh, Tony Ferguson, uh, one of my absolute all-time favorites. The guy kicks poles to train. He he has like <laughs> he has the weirdest training regimen regiments. He like pitches to get his punches faster, so he'll just pitch all day. He does all this crazy shit on his Instagram. Um, yeah, UFC fighters train like psychopaths. Yeah, so it's just such a great sport, right? Like the sport's in such a great place right now with just the talent. Um, like there's just so many people that you can like and so many stories. A girl from Knoxville, Tennessee, um, where I'm currently living, uh, won a fight. Uh, she won the first fight, Amanda Young, shout out. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they, she said they were fighting on Knoxville, Tennessee. So, yeah, so it's just a great – it's just a great um, – sport and it's a great time to be a ufc fan um and i I highly urge you to check it out uh maybe you'll find something maybe you'll find that you like it um but yeah jordan thanks for talking with me about a little ufc we'll see you all on wednesday we're gonna be talking uh some sports i don't know what exactly we're gonna be talking about yet but we'll figure it out yeah we'll see thank you guys for listening yeah uh thank you all for listening and um please listen to episode five coming out on wednesday if not that's okay too uh and have yourselves a wonderful day thank you all so much i love you bye